0: Welcome
1: to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I'm your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and once again, welcome to this, our show of shows. I am your host, W.J. Sheehan, author of the series Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters And we are so glad that you joined us today. I have some very good news today as I begin the rundown of today's podcast. Many of you have been prodding me to record my volumes in audio form and I have been listening to you. I am happy to announce that Volume 6 is now available on Audible, iTunes, and Amazon with five following in suit at any moment. And I will be continuing with the entire series as time permits. Of course, all of the books are available in paperback and ebook as I speak, so do purchase one and help support what we are doing. In today's Cryptids and the News and History segment, if you have a fear of insects, especially monstrous moths with fangs and glowing eyes, you better tune out now. Kevin is going to dissect the Mothman. And in part two, have you ever imagined that you saw a face in the bark of a tree or while frying some eggs in a pan? Then this account is going to rattle your cage like none other. And finally, in our listener mail segment, we will once again be addressing and answering those queries which have been sent in by our listeners, such as yourself. So don't be shy. Contact us using our contact link on our webpage, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. But before I hand the ball off to my brother Kevin, a big shout-out to a friend of the podcast, Carl Wiesner and his lovely wife, Carol. Carl is turning 90 in August, and remember, Carl, he that has begun a good work in you will finish it. So may God bless you with health, a sound mind, and a sound body for years to come. And now, is Kevin! <laughs> hey. hey, Bill, how are you? Good, good, good. I'm revved up for this show today. There's a lot of good material here, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun one. You know, we... Uh... Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, Creepy Mothman, and uh, Mothman's kind of cool to me because, you know, the the largest concentration of sightings occurred over a very short period of time in a relatively small place, so it's kind of different than some of the other cryptids we talk about.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting, and, uh, you know, one has to wonder uh, if this thing is real or was real, and the fact that it was seen in a very small area, what may have brought it on in that location?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I think we're going to get there.
1: Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, brother. Let me, let's hear what you got to uh, bring to us today.
0: All right. So, uh, Dateline for the Mothman story goes back to November 12th, 1966. And it starts out a little creepy. We have five men who were digging a grave at a cemetery near Clendenin, West Virginia. <laughs> exactly.
1: Of course it's gotta start out with grave diggers, doesn't it? Oh yeah. Oh, you can't pick this stuff up. Okay.
0: And these five grave diggers uh, claim to have seen a man like figure fly low from the trees over their heads.
1: So <laughs> Oh, my goodness. You'd like to
0: be out there uh, in rural West Virginia digging a grave and see a man-like creature (laughs) swoop over your head.
1: And were they holding a uh, gas lantern under the midnight (laughs) moon?
0: Maybe. There might have been a (laughs) jack-o'-lantern.
1: Oh, my goodness. Go ahead, bro.
0: Okay. And so let's talk about uh, where Clendenin, West Virginia is first. So it's toward the northern side of West Virginia. And as the crow flies, or maybe in this case, as the moth flies <laughs> for this story, <laughs> it's about 50 miles southeast of a little town called Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And I'm mentioning Point Pleasant because it's where most of the sightings of Mothman occurred. So, you know, we had this one sighting in Clendenin and then a lot of sightings in a town of Point Pleasant about 50 miles away. So Point Pleasant, West Virginia, is right on the border of West Virginia and Ohio on the banks of the Ohio River. And the Ohio River actually forms the border between the U.S. state of West Virginia and the U.S. state of Ohio. And basically, right after the gravediggers saw this creature, a pair of couples were together and they reported seeing the Mothman creature uh, uh, while they were in their car. And this story shows up uh, as a written account in the Point Pleasant Register in Point Pleasant, West Virginia on November 16th, 1966. And the headline is, Couple see Man-Sized Bird, dot, 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 creature, dot, 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 something.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: So, so I'll read the story to you. Okay. So, it was a bird or something. It definitely wasn't a flying saucer. Two Point Pleasant couples said today they encountered a man-sized bird-like creature in the TNT area about midnight last night. Sheriff's deputies and city police went to the scene about 2 o'clock this morning but were were unable to spot anything. But the two young men telling their story this morning were dead serious and asserted to us that they had not been drinking. Steve Millett and Roger Scarberry described the thing as being about 6 or 7 feet tall, having a wingspan of 10 feet, And red eyes, about two inches in diameter each, and about six inches apart. Pretty crazy, right? Yeah,
1: what a creepy set of circumstances. You know, interesting too. As you go on, they're trying to equate drinking to hallucinating. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I've never had a six pack and then saw
0: Mothman. (laughs) (laughs) But go ahead, go ahead, bro. Maybe Mothra if (laughs) I was watching a Godzilla movie. Okay, so back to the story. Millette states, It was like a man with wings. It wasn't like anything you'd see on TV or in a monster movie. The men and their wives were in Scarberry's car between 11.30 p.m. and midnight when they spotted the creature near the old power plant adjacent to the old National Guard armory buildings. The creature was seen standing on three occasions and was described as being extremely fast. It flew about 100 miles an hour, but it was quite a clumsy runner while it was on the ground. (laughs) Deputy Millard Halstead said he had seen dust in the vicinity of a coal field, but it could have been caused by the bird, he said. I'm a hard guy to scare, Scarberry said. But last night, I was for getting out of there. They did just that, but the thing followed them. They said it was hovering over the car, apparently gliding, until they reached the National Guard armory on Route 62. We went downtown, turned around, and went back, and there it was again, Millette said. It seemed to be waiting on us. He said the light gray-like creature then scurried through a field. It also had flown across the top of the car. It apparently is afraid of light, Millett reasoned, and maybe it thought I was scaring it off. The young men said they saw the creature's eyes, which glowed red, only when their lights shined on it, and it seemed to want to get away from the lights. They said it looked like a man with wings, but that the head was not an outstanding characteristic. Both were slightly pale and tired from lack of sleep during the night following their harrowing experience. They speculated that the thing was living in the vacant power plant, possibly in one of the huge boilers. They said, there are pigeons in all the other buildings, Millette said, but not in that one. If I had seen it while by myself, I wouldn't have said anything, Scarberry commented, but there were four of us that saw it at the same time. They said it didn't resemble a bat in any way, but maybe what you would visualize as an angel. The last time they saw it was at the gate of the C.C. Lewis farm on Route 62. They heard a sound like wings flapping, and they said the bird rose straight up like a helicopter. This doesn't have an explanation to it, Millette said. It was an animal, but nothing like I've seen before. Are they going to are they going back to look for the creature? Yes, Millette said. This afternoon and again tonight. However, Scarberry said, Today, yes, but tonight I don't know.
1: <laughs> Holy smoke. You know, they talk, Kev, about this creature gliding over the car. And yeah. of course we don't have any more information than that short phrase that you read but yep. you you and i both know in the realm of uh like raptors or aircraft you have to have some kind of lift to maintain flight you know some type yep. of uh airflow uh, now yep. we don't know how long this thing was uh, gliding over the car but it it kind of reeks of something abnormal that there would be no flapping involved to maintain uh, uh, a, a glide, if you will, above the vehicle. Also, when yeah, you... I
0: don't, I don't know if they're talking about when they were moving though, or when they were parked. If it glide, you know, it glided across them. I don't, I don't know. You know, I don't know if it was hovering right over them, or gliding by.
1: Right, right. The other thing, like, the, I, I see what you mean. Yeah, the other thing too is you know, a six or a seven foot human style body or any type of body has to have some weight to it and and in the natural realm i'm not convinced a 10 foot set of wings could keep this thing aloft
0: so i no you're exactly right i mean if it was truly like man like because you know that's the thing with you mentioned raptors and that those those birds are extremely light you know, their body has a relatively big proportion to the wings, to the wingspan. Right. But the bodies themselves are super light. Their bones are super light. You know, they're they're built to fly.
1: Right. Right. Now, I've had I've had a bird in my hand. Uh, most of the body that you see is feathers. And, exactly. And then, even their bones, I believe, are hollow. Exactly. So they were created in every way, shape, or form to be
0: light and aerodynamic. Yep. That's no wh- doubt about it. That's why... This- the other thing that's kind of interesting, right? You know, they everyone describes this as the Mothman, but then in this account, they talk about the fact that it, it seemed to uh, move away from the light, which, you know, of course, uh, a moth, as we know, when you put on the porch light at night outside, it tends to attract the moths. So I thought that's kind of interesting. No, absolutely.
1: Too. Good point. Well taken. Yeah. Uh, it, it just... The whole, The whole thing, to me, uh, reeks of the demonic. I think this thing uh, is some type of bizarre uh, uh, demon that was brought into this world by something going on in that area at that point in time. And, of course, we'll never know. Are there any uh, accounts of this thing uh, coming forward from that date that you saw or or it was really a, a, a one trick pony?
0: Oh yeah, definitely. So let let's look at a couple of those. So one of the stories that's worth mentioning, it's the it's the same account from the couples. Um but it showed up in the uh on UPI, uh United Press International. And uh, the headline's interesting. So, you know, it came out of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, but the big headline was red-eyed creature reported in West Virginia. And it basically tells a shorter version of the same story with the same quotes. Uh, from the prior story, but I think it's interesting where they said red-eyed creature, and they didn't even mention the fact that it was flying overhead with ten-foot wings. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> kind of odd. Yeah, you know? it is I mean, odd. Red-eyed creature. I don't know. Maybe it's just somebody that stayed out a little. Too
1: <laughs> really red-eyed creature. <laughs> I
0: guess uh, you know I I won't be able to make it as a headline person. <laughs> 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 so, so, you know, the Mothman was around in 1966 and 1967, generally speaking, in this area of West Virginia. And the reports out there usually state that at least a hundred people saw and reported on Mothman and that many more were afraid to report their sightings or did not come forward for whatever reason. Sure. And like- I think that, you know, we always talk about that. Like, if you saw a big hairy man, or a mothman, what would you do? You know, would you tell anyone? Would you be afraid they'd think you're crazy? Um, would you tell your close friend or family, but no one else, et cetera? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's the, same,
1: it's the same drill. If 10 people saw this thing, probably 10,000 people saw this thing.
0: Right. And then getting to your, uh, you know, wh- where you're going a little bit with the potential for this being some type of uh, evil that was conjured up you can't really talk about mothman without talking about um the uh december 15th 1967 collapse of the silver star bridge in that same area of west virginia mm-hmm. and um this uh this bridge collapsed and it was an absolute catastrophic event uh, in in this area of the country, and it it led to the death of forty six people. So basically, you had this bridge, and uh, it was loaded up during uh, rush hour, and it uh, collapsed and uh, went into the river. Um, and a lot of folks, or several folks, reported that they saw a Mothman just prior to the bridge collapsing. Wow. So so you know, I'm not saying that the two are connected but I would be remiss if I'm here reporting on what happened with Mothman and the sightings if I didn't talk about the collapse of the Silver Bridge. Well, I'll tell
1: you what. uh, In biblical narrative, when angels appeared, uh, on many occasions, uh, they were a precursor to destruction. So uh, I'm not giving any credit To the demonic realm, but don't think for two seconds that the same thing can't be allowed to happen uh, with uh, demonic entities prevailing over mankind in a bad, bad way. You know, it's almost like a penalty shot, you know, well, if you do this, this will happen. And if you don't do this, this will happen, and we see that again and again and again. Like I said, in the biblical narrative, you know, who knows what was going on there?
0: Yeah, that's. I wanted to ask you that. So, in the account, right, in the uh, written account that appeared in the Point Pleasant Register, uh, the one gentleman said that it looked like an angel. Mm-hmm. You know, it looked. Uh, you know, he hadn't. He didn't say that he'd seen an angel. But he was saying that it looked uh, as what he might think an angel would look like. And I want to ask you about that because you were immediately uh, talking about it like it was, you know, a conjured spirit rather than an angel. So I just wanted to get to that a little bit with you.
1: Yeah. Now, you know, Kev, and many of our listeners know from hearing me interviewed, uh, I have had numerous angelic encounters, and whether people believe that or not is uh, no concern of mine whatsoever. Uh, angels can ap- appear in a couple of forms. Uh, they can appear as men, and they can appear as beings, such as we see in a lot of the old artwork. These winged, glowing, white, uh, ethereal Creatures with wings attached to the back. But to me, the wings aren't used for flying. They're almost put there by the creator as this magnificent uh, part of their being to look upon and gaze upon. They're fantastically created creatures. On the flip side of that, a demon can appear in many forms also. And some of them, in their own evil way, are magnificently fearful to look upon. They are horrifically ugly and frightening. And I believe they, too, can appear with a pair of wings that may not necessarily be uh, for flying as we know it.
0: Okay. OK. And and I mean, you're you know, usually uh, when folks talk about seeing angels and that they have some kind of like pleasant aura around them. Right. Or a glowing or. And, and we don't have that in this in this account. We have them. You know, folks are frightened. You hear the one gentleman say, hey, I'll go back now during the daytime. But I don't think I'm going back tonight to see this thing again.
1: Yeah, I'm not going back at all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know. You can't, you can't fight spirit, you know. No, I've, you know, it's, I haven't seen anything like that, but uh, the thought of it terrifies me.
1: Yeah, well, let me tell you something. I've been in the presence of good angels, and they will scare you to death. And, <laughs> and you know, if, again, uh, looking at the biblical narrative, whenever these things appeared to humans to give them a message or to give them some direction— The first thing they said is, don't be afraid, because they know that just stepping into your realm and appearing before you, you're going to be drop dead scared. uh, And you may not miss the you may miss the message by running out of your house.
0: Yeah, makes sense. sense. (laughs) So we have one more sighting. Now, this is interesting. It's a modern day sighting. OK, this one uh, was reported on uh, by Fallon Pearson on November 21st, 2016, again in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And this is interesting. So uh, folks can see this online if they Google it. Um, but the, the man didn't give his name, but he saw, he reported seeing uh, Mothman while he was out uh, hunting in Mason County, and he took some pictures of it. So he she showed several pictures, and he said... Um, uh, that he, Oh, I'm sorry. I said he was hunting. He wasn't hunting. He was driving along State Route 2 and saw something jump from tree to tree across the road. And he pulled over and took some pictures. And he has these pictures online. And they look like uh, a man, you know, like it looks like a man with wings about 10 feet long and kind of long, narrow, pointy. Uh, uh, wings, like from a raptor, for example, uh-huh. um, or maybe like an angel's wings. And uh, he has like two or three different pictures from different angles, you know, like you would take as uh, something flew across in front of you. And they're pretty interesting, you know. And of course, there's experts that comment on the story and other regular people that comment on the story too that say, hey, it's, you know, of course it could be fake, um, but can't really tell. You know, it's uh, they look like photographs of a man flying across the road with wings. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. You
1: know, before we had photographs, you had nothing but to rely on a man's good word Uh, when he or she said, you know, this is what happened and this is what I saw Uh, today. Everything's, uh, you know, battled with, oh, it's CG or this. It's amazing how the technology that's supposed to help us hinders us. Uh, when we're talking about things like this in Bigfoot. Yeah, exactly. So exactly.
0: but pretty cool. So that's Mothman. You know, he uh primarily around this place, Point Pleasant, from November twelfth, nineteen sixty six to December fifteenth, nineteen sixty seven. So about thirteen months. Wow. So pretty pretty interesting to have, you know, over a hundred reported sightings of this same creature, but only over a period of thirteen months all around this small Relatively small town of Point Pleasant, West Virginia.
1: Incredible. And I have an account, which I'm sure we'll get into down the road a piece, of uh, what a guy described as a harpy. You, I don't know if you remember the uh, that fantastic uh, show. I think it was Jason and the Argonauts. Oh, yeah. You remember yeah. that? Do you remember when they were battling those harpies that were coming down over the table to steal the blind man's food or
0: something like that? Yes. Yes. I I couldn't remember the name until now you're explaining it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And this is what this guy was describing. And we'll get into that down the road. But that sounds a lot like what this other man took a couple of shots of with his camera. Uh, But that stuff is creepy. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah, it's a creepy story, and again, I I like it because it occurred in, in such a small place over such a short period of time.
1: Wow, this is crazy. Well, so let's get into my account. Uh and I'm gonna start basically uh with this fellow's name. Uh his name was Lance Jurgensen, and in August of twenty fourteen he was fly fishing near Kennison Mountain in West Virginia. Now, you and I, once again, Kev, uh, I knew nothing about what you were going to say or the location. All I knew was you were going to talk about Mothman. But here, this guy is in West Virginia fly fishing. That's cool. And uh, here is what uh, Lance had to say about his very strange and frightening encounter. As I told you, Bill, I have a number of favorite haunts, if you will, that I like to get away to and do a little fishing most of which I access by using my quad, having trailed it in near to where I am going. I like seclusion, and in my life, this is how I achieve it whenever I have some downtime. All I can say is that it works for me, and as the saying goes, different strokes for different folks. On August 12, 2014, I had worked in as close as I could get to my destination, which was the area of Charles Creek, Cranberry River, and the Cranberry Glades. This is a pristine wilderness location, and there are quite a few nice fish in here for the taking. It was 8 o'clock in the morning when I started to fish, working my way up the bank of Charles Creek and walking northward toward the glades. I should tell you that it, there is no shortage of wildlife in here, including deer, black bear, and every kind of ground critter that you can imagine. I say this because as you settle into the stillness of the surrounds, the forest gradually comes alive around you. When I am fishing here, it's not uncommon to hear the snap of a twig or the crunching of the leaves. My eyes are always moving in response to whatever I hear, but my main focus is on the water's surface. I was getting into some really fine fish, approaching the fork by Cranberry Glades, when I heard a little grunt across the creek. I say this because at that moment, my mind said there was a black bear foraging around. Typically, a bear doesn't want anything to do with humans, and they will move off quickly once they are aware of you or have caught your scent. On this day, I was downwind from this critter. If it was a bear, it wouldn't have gotten wind of me from where I was positioned. I also couldn't see it, so it couldn't see me either. I kept fishing, being mindful of what I had heard. After about another 15 minutes or so, I started to hear some movement upstream from me, maybe about 50 yards away. Along the opposite bank of the creek, there was what I will describe as a barrier that was formed by some dense brush and bramble bushes. Within this wall, which was backed by many much larger trees, there were occasionally small tunnels that were formed simply by the growth pattern of the bushes. Think of them as being small windows where you could see into the brush for maybe a couple of feet or so. From my perspective, everything looked very uniform as I was gazing across the creek in response to the grunt which I heard with the exception of one small dark patch within the bramble. The only way I can explain this is to say that the coloration of everything in front of me and beyond had certain shades and hues. These colors were unbroken as far as the foliage was concerned, and yet here was the singular very dark patch plugged into the bramble's edge some 75 feet or so away. For whatever reason, my eyes couldn't shake looking at this dark area. The more that I looked at it, the more that I started to see what I believed was a face. And yet, there was absolutely no movement whatsoever. I am sure that you have heard of people saying that they saw the face of Jesus when frying an egg in a pan, or someone saying they saw a face in a mirror and thought it was a ghost only to find out that the back of the mirror was peeling or the angle of the reflection made it seem as such. This was exactly what I was seeing and believing. In my mind, I was looking at a large black or dark brown face with big black eyes and a grin of white teeth. Hmm. To make things even more interesting, the face which I believed was, I was looking at was only maybe two feet from the ground. So, this was either a very short creature with an enormous head, or it was lying on the ground peering at me through the bushes. This visage had completely consumed my attention. At some point, I felt that I had actually locked eyes with a living being, and a cold chill permeated my very soul. I mean that I actually shook violently from head to toe for a few seconds. All I can say is that in a moment's time, I went from feeling total bliss and tranquility to being in a state of absolute fear and dread. Now, just behind where I believed I was seeing this black face, there was a very large old tree that was of substantial diameter. It had fallen and was leaning against a couple of other trees. This fallen tree was perhaps two feet wide and was leaning completely across and behind the bushes where the face was, beginning from ground level and angling upward maybe 12 feet to where it met the other tree where it had come to rest. I can't say why I didn't back out of there after this cold chill had consumed me, but I continued to creep ever closer to what I was looking at. I was convinced that I was looking eye to eye with a living creature, but I hadn't seen so much as a twitch or a blink of what I believed were a pair of eyes. I was now within about 40 feet of this thing when I realized that I was now seeing hair and wrinkles. I almost lost my breath as this realization hit me. It was like a sudden shockwave that froze me in my tracks with a sensation of what I would describe as dread or doom. I know that these are strong words, but in that moment, I felt I had crossed a line to where I was now in fear of my very life. That's the only way which I can describe it to you. It was at that very moment that a gigantic beast launched upward and had now revealed itself fully, standing only 40 feet away from me. It let out a deep and foreboding growl, and I don't know how I stayed on my feet at the sight of it. I was standing across a shallow creek 40 feet away from an enormous growling Bigfoot. It didn't stand up gradually, but rather leapt out of the bush in an instant to a standing position. As I stood there trembling, the beast started to contort its head, rolling it around in a circular motion, like it was trying to loosen up as a weightlifter would at the gym. No sooner had it finished doing this movement than did it force its upper body forward, flexed its arms, and let out a loud, deep, and prolonged growl. I could feel the sound waves passing through me across the creek. When the growl ended, it let out a snort, turned, and leaped over the down tree, disappearing into the woods. Of course, I now had affirmation that I was looking at a living being the entire time. The Bigfoot had to be lying on its belly, watching me the whole time through the bushes. I don't know what it was thinking of doing. Perhaps it was just inquisitive of my own presence. The thought had occurred to me after the fact that it may have been pissed off at me for staring at it for such a long time and then moving a little too close for comfort. It reminded me very much of the rabbits which I come across in my yard, eating weeds and grass. They will stay perfectly still as though I don't see them until I am almost on top of them before they jump. This is the same type of behavior that, to me, this Bigfoot was exhibiting until I had come a little bit too close, and it felt its cover had been blown. When the creature stood up, it had to have been at the very least nine feet tall, and I could tell that it was a male for obvious reasons. The hair was dark brown. It was definitely hair, not fur like that of a black bear. I don't want to say that the body was sparsely covered but there was definitely areas of the body where the skin could be seen which appeared to be somewhat gray in coloration. It opened its mouth very wide when it growled in the same fashion that I have seen chimpanzees do. Having said that I make no bones about it that this is not a gorilla and it is definitely not a man. In fact the only human attribute that Bigfoot has in my opinion is that they stand on two legs and can walk. To me, they are an unknown species that stand alone unto themselves in nature, in the same way that a moose is not an elk and an elk is not a deer. A Bigfoot is quite simply a Bigfoot and nothing else. The creature had a very broad nose which consumed a large section of its face. It had somewhat loose and scraggly hair above and below the mouth as well as coming in from the sides. Its face was deeply furrowed with dark wrinkles in its skin. As it flexed its upper torso it had fists clenched and they were the size of small pumpkins. The body was overall very broad from waist to shoulders and I would have to say it was somewhere between four and five feet in width. I could tell you right now, without any reservations whatsoever, that I could have died that day and would have never been found. The sheer strength and power exhibited by this beast was overwhelming in every sense of the word. With one swipe of its hand, I am convinced it could have broken me in two pieces and ended my life right then and there. Having had this experience for myself, I have no comprehension whatsoever how anybody could be left saying that these things are part human in any way, shape, or form. This, to me, would be like saying a moose was part human if they walked on two legs. This thing was an animal and more aptly a monster. I felt as though I had encountered the wolfman or Frankenstein. I will tell you and your readers this as well. There was an overwhelming sense of evil coming out of this encounter, and I have no idea how I escaped death other than that my guardian angel was with me and scared
0: off the beast. Whoa. I mean... T- That's a serious encounter. I can't imagine. And, and prolonged. This
1: guy was eyeballing this thing, wondering if... He was, in fact, seeing something in these bushes for a prolonged period of
0: time. Yeah, and it's a, you know, a very detail-oriented person. You can tell with the descriptions. And then you and I know, Bill, as fly fishermen, you know, he— You're there fishing and you're just concentrating on the surface of the water and really have no idea what's going on around you often. I mean, it's interesting, like uh, I was out in the surf fishing here in North Carolina a couple of weekends ago and uh, it was towards sunset. But the sun was still well up and it was after the Fourth of July weekend, that following weekend. So there were still a lot of people out and about on vacation And I was there with my feet in the in the surf, fishing along, the sun's going down and it was interesting. I caught a couple of fish and then I turned around when the sun went down and there was literally no one on the beach as far as I could see. But I didn't notice that everybody had left, you know, because I was concentrating on the surface of the water, looking for the bait fish going by, looking at the birds flying over. You know, and trying to see where where the next fish would bite.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: You you get that same feel from this gentleman, you know, that he's there in the stream uh, and uh, just so focused on the surface of the water. And then, you know, something catches his eye, even in a slight way when he's hearing this grunt, you know, which would be alarming in itself. Uh super interesting. And then you you know, you wonder if you start to imagine something like he's describing. Am I really seeing something in that patch or am I imagining it?
1: <laughs> well, as it turns out, he was really seeing something and he definitely was really, really was, seeing it. It really was seeing him as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I also thought it was interesting too that it was lying down. You know, in a lot of these accounts, you know, you have folks like they think they see something and then they're looking around. I don't, you know, I don't recall them looking down, you know, to see uh, a Bigfoot lying on the ground. You know, you, you would think more that it's like ducked behind a tree or something like that. Um, but, but that could contribute to its stealthiness when you think about the fact that maybe these things are lying down in the, uh, in the uh, bramble when you're looking for them. That would be impossible to find. Yeah, and it's interesting too, in
1: the military, what do they teach snipers to do?
0: Crawl. Yeah, they yeah, exactly. They have the ghillie suit on, you know, and they're laying down and crawling along yeah. in the in the weeds and brush.
1: And they also practice being observed while they're trying to approach a position in a ghillie suit to see if they can be spotted out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mentioned that on one of our previous podcasts where, you know, I I think that the, uh, you know, the Bigfoot is just a very stealthy creature. And, uh, you know, it has the ability and instinct to hide and almost disappear. I mean, you know, of course, you have the accounts where people say they literally disappeared. But getting back to the sniper example, if you were watching a sniper, they can literally disappear. But, of course, they're not literally disappearing. they they're uh, camouflage.
1: Yeah, no, it's incredible, and the size of this thing again—he's
0: talking oh, n- nine feet, just and four to five feet wide. Yeah, holy cow!
1: You know, I've had a number of people in their accounts uh, who live in like uh, farm type communities. Uh, if I've had one, I've had ten uh, that describe as a Bigfoot as being the size of a barn door.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a barn door. Yeah, you know, I mean, and a barn door—a
1: half of a swinging barn door—is a, a. I don't. Are we talking four by eight, like a sheet of plywood, or it's got to exactly.
0: be maybe even a little bigger. Yeah, yeah.
1: it's got to be a big piece of uh, timber or planks uh, nailed together to form the door. But yep. you don't just say, you know, like I look like a barn door. <laughs> uh, they may say I have a head that's made of wood. But,
0: but like a barn door. I, like a barn door. But but I don't look like a barn door. Or maybe he listens about as well as a barn door. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my
1: goodness. Well, that is...
0: I also thought some of his uh, descriptions were pretty cool. Like he says, you know, it gets to where people often say to someone who has an account of seeing something, they say, oh, maybe it was a bear. You know, maybe you're mistaken. And in this case, you know, he says something like, uh, just like a moose is not an elk and an elk is not a deer. You know, you're not going to mistake one of those for the other when you're the one reporting on seeing
1: it. Yeah, and, you know, he drips with sarcasm, uh, which is right in my wheelhouse, <laughs> when he says that, you know, you, would, you wouldn't describe an elk as being part human if you saw it stand on two feet. Exactly. It's just exactly. stupid, you know. Oh, it's yeah. got to be part human. Look, it has a nose, it has two eyes, it has two ears, and it's on two legs, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if that's it, you know, if you saw me swimming in the pool, am I a fish? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? It's just
0: bizarre. You could be a barn door floating in there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's awesome.
1: Yeah, and you know, uh, I was fishing, fly fishing in the Kinequat River one day. And anybody who fishes rivers knows that the brush gets really thick by the edges of the river because it's being fed by water continually. And in the Kinequat, there's a couple of spots where you could duck into the river, but once you're in there walking around and uh, casting the fly, you can't see a foot inside of what's next to you on the left and right. Mm. And I heard a little crunch one day when I was in there And my eyes are always drawn to the sound. And I had a rainbow laying on the limited amount of grass that was by this brush at one point, maybe like a foot and a half of grass. I had this rainbow laying there. I hear this noise and I turn my head and a raccoon sticks its head out of the bushes, looks left and right and ducks back in.
0: Oh, he was going to grab your
1: rainbow trout? Well, it was like he must have smelled it and stuck his head out to see where it was. Yeah. He ducked back in, and the rainbow was about 20 feet away from where it had emerged. Maybe Mm. 60 seconds later, this little rascal pops out exactly where the rainbow was, snatches, (laughs) snatches it, and ducks back into the bushes with my fish. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was excellent to see you know he said that's why we wear a mask you know
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know and see people who aren't out there doing things y- you just can't appreciate what i just told you yeah. but it all stopped it all started with a little sound that was out of the ordinary and then by me continuing to focus on the sound and what may come of it while I was fishing, at the same time. Yeah, very absolutely. interesting. Very interesting, Kev.
0: Cool account though, and uh, definitely, uh, boy, that's that's terrifying. Now, when you're at the edge of a shallow stream, and this thing, you know, nine or ten feet tall and four or five feet wide, is right across the stream from you. Like, holy cow!
1: Yeah, and easily, this thing that he described—the way it leapt up. It could have launched across that creek and clobbered him.
0: Oh, absolutely. You know. Absolutely.
1: So uh, he was a lucky man that day.
0: Yeah, as he said.
1: Wow. Fantastic story. Fantastic uh, 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 information brought forth on the uh, Mothman. And
0: now, uh, where are we heading, Kevin? Yeah, we're going to uh, part three. Uh, We're going to do some viewer mail, and we have some good ones uh, this week. Thanks again to everybody who's sending in the email to our website, uh, bigfootterrorinthewoods.com. Uh, we really appreciate it. And this one comes from northern California, northern Canada. Sorry, from Ted, uh, one of the areas where we often hear of the hairy man being cited. And Ted writes, "I have spent the better part of my life as a guide in the north woods." I've heard the howls on more occasions than I can count, and I can attest that they belong to no known species in these parts. I've also witnessed numerous violent tree-shaking episodes, all of which occurred at some distance from where I was positioned. My personal assessment is that these creatures are real, and yet in over 40 years I have yet to see even one. Keep up the good work. Your investigative prowess is invaluable. Well, thanks, Ted.
1: Fantastic.
0: I mean, that's pretty cool. A a guide from uh, uh, the north woods of Canada.
1: Yeah, I mean, come on. These people, uh, this is what they do for a living, for God's sake. They're in the woods probably every day of the year. And who better than to come forward and make a statement about what he sees and hears on a somewhat regular basis. Exactly,
0: exactly. And again, he's saying, Hey, I I've yet I've never seen one. But when you look at the account that you read today, Bill, it's reasonable that you haven't seen one. I mean, it's that that giant creature was very close to this very observant gentleman that was fly fishing, and he really almost didn't see him. Right, you know, he thought he was imagining it until, uh, until he heard the noise, and of course until uh, the creature leapt up from its hiding spot.
1: Right, and you see, the fly fisherman wouldn't give up on the fact that he was becoming increasingly convinced that he was looking at something. And he just he didn't give up on it. He kept focusing until finally he realized, I see wrinkles. Uh, what did he say? I see wrinkles and I saw skin, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Just And this guy uh, from the Canadian woods, he uh, e- easily is able to make uh, the statement, what I was listening to is nothing that I know of in these woods. Now, who who, yeah. who better to make that statement? I mean, if I went up there, I would be thinking it was a bear howling or a, a mountain lion. Or, and he says flat out, no, nothing of the sort.
0: Yep. Yep. Or a wolf, et cetera. Yeah. Yep. Who knows? Cool. Wow. Well, thanks, Ted. That's uh, good, good input. And uh, thank you very much for the email. So we're going to go across the uh, pond, so to speak, to the United Kingdom. And we have an email from Bertrand. And uh, Bertrand writes, I'm really enjoying the two of you and the discussion surrounding the Bigfoot. Has either either of you had an encounter of your own? I'm not convinced that I would want to.
1: Wow. Yeah, well, Bertrand, uh, I'm not convinced I want to either. As a matter of fact, I don't want to. (laughs) And uh, I I don't think Kevin's had a sighting of a Bigfoot. In fact, I know he hasn't, but
0: I definitely haven't had a sighting. You know, I'm a little closer to the other side of the coin, no, Bill. I think, like, if I was ready for it and, you know, with a few other folks that were extremely (laughs) well-armed, you know, emphasis on the armament, uh, extremely (laughs) well-armed. Several of us, just in case a gun jammed or something like that.
1: Exactly. Or if
0: one of us, or if one of us froze at the side of it, which would be reasonable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there'd be three more to get my back. <laughs> um, so, so I, I would, you know, I think I would like to see it in the right setting. Yeah. Um, but, but no, I certainly haven't, haven't seen one.
1: Yeah, and uh, I say that, you know, and I've always said for people that know me and listen to me. I don't mind having an encounter from afar, but like this fly fisherman or the guide in Canada, what was his name, Ted, Kev? Yep, Ted Uh, in
0: northern Canada.
1: You know, he didn't go there looking to see these violent tree shakings or to hear these howls. He probably had a paid client or was scoping out his next area to to bring a paid client. But if something gets to jump on you and you have a sudden and spontaneous encounter... What are you going to do? You experience it and and you move on, you know, but I'm not going to be, I'm not looking to be put in that circumstance.
0: No, no. And it's like, okay, there's a good chance if you were that fly fisherman, you could have a heart attack just from that encounter. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Let's go. We're going to go continue eastward from the UK and we're going to go all the way to India. One wow. of the old colonies of the UK. Wow. And we have an email that comes in from Anu. And Anu writes I'm really enjoying what you are putting out. What, if anything, do you know about the Tibetan sightings? And if possible, could you add that to your cryptids agenda?
1: Well, wow. what do you say about that, Kev?
0: Well, you know, we did uh, uh, a uh, cryptids in the news several weeks back about um, the Indian army up in the Tibetan mountains where they tweeted about some uh, uh, findings of what they reported as Yeti footprints. So uh, we did that a few weeks ago. And I'm certainly it's I certainly don't think it's the last that you're going to hear us talk about Yeti or any of the the uh, other uh, other types of Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti like creatures. That are reported upon in Asia. So uh, we'll definitely we do we will continue to add it to the cryptids agenda anew. And thank you very much for the email.
1: Fantastic. You know what's really interesting, Kev, and you know this: the length and breadth of the listening audience is just incredible.
0: It is incredible. I mean, I mean folks, we got we got the stats from all of you out there that are listening, and uh, I am amazed. Uh, how far and wide and deep the audience is. So we really appreciate it, and uh, we're working hard to uh, continue to get a quality uh, product out to you folks. Um, but it's interesting. And by the way, uh, you know, a little side shout out. Boy, we have a ton of listeners in you know the great state of Texas here in the USA, and we got to get some more mail from you folks. You know, we got we got a couple in the past, but boy, there are a lot of listeners in Texas.
1: Yeah. Big shout out to Texas. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we are, uh, we're going to go from India over to France to, uh, Ariana. Um, and Ariana writes, I've been listening to your podcast now for a month and I've read volume three. This discussion is certainly fantastic. But is it reality? I love it just the same, and you guys are the best. Well, thank you, Ariana.
1: Fantastic, Kev. Well, you so know, what do you think, Bill, yeah, reality? Yeah, you know my stance on this. Uh, when somebody asks me, "Is this real? Are these stories true, etc.?" I always put it right back at him. What do you think? Because if you're asking me, I believe Bigfoot is real. But what does what I have to say have to do with what you think or what you have to say? Uh, I have said uh, in my Carl Sagan quote, when I said uh, what he said was, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Uh, and I followed by saying I thought that threshold had been met and and overcome uh, with what we have to date.
0: Uh, but other people out there, it's never enough. Yeah, yeah. It's never I enough. Came across, yeah, I came across an interesting quote that I didn't report on uh, here in this podcast from a professor that was talking about the uh, Mothman sighting, but it kind of fits, uh, fits this response. So this gentleman, his name is Bill Reeder, professor, um, and he says, In this day and age, a claim about the Mothman People would just scoff at it. People are now skewed to not believe anything, even if it's real. Yeah. Which I thought is kind of interesting. That's
1: very intuitive. Very intuitive. And I find that all the time. You know, it's just people. I don't know if it's a localized thing, Kev, like a United States thing, or just the people I'm running into. Uh, People are so caught up in weird stuff that I just have no interest in. (laughs) And,
0: that might just be your neighborhood.
1: Yeah, it could be my neighborhood.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> or my workplace. <laughs> you know, I mean, the stuff people are talking about and interested in is just like, man, rubbish to me. <laughs> just hard to believe. Wow.
0: All right. We got one more, uh, one more uh, note here. And uh, this one is from California, from Rex. And uh, Rex writes... The podcast is everything that I have wanted to hear and then some. I haven't purchased any books as yet, as I'm waiting for your audiobooks to come to fruition. I once saw a Bigfoot treed in the northern rainforest. I don't know how it got where it was or what it was doing, but I hightailed it out of there, and that was that. Keep this train running.
1: Wow, fantastic. Yeah, well... This is your day, because I just announced that uh, Volume 6 is up on uh, Audible, Amazon, and iTunes, and 5 will probably be out uh, any day now. They don't tell me until it actually happens, but it was approved, and it's out for, quote, retail, uh, which can take up to uh, 14 days. So any day, you're going to see 5 pop up. And as far as the creature treed, I've had... Uh, two or three accounts where people have seen these things nest robbing high up in the trees. Uh, I also had an account where uh, another fisherman, and I think it was Vermont, saw what turned out to be a young one climbing up and down a pine tree on the opposite bank to where he was standing. It then stopped and looked at him, went lower in the tree to where he couldn't see it, and emerged sitting on the shoulder of Daddy Bigfoot Walking down the bank in the other direction. Wow! Yeah, incredible. Hmm. So these things—they uh, uh, have skills and agility and abilities uh, and strength beyond comprehension. So it's—it's it's no surprise to me to see one of them in a tree or swimming or running or leaping or dragging a tree. Just, they just—they just have immense capabilities.
0: Hmm fantastic good stuff good stuff well thank you Rex for that uh, 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 email and uh, I'm glad that you're enjoying the podcast and uh, folks out there thank you so much for spending the time with us and again keep the emails coming send them in uh, at our website BigfootTerryInTheWoods.com and then also uh, keep the great reviews coming we really appreciate uh, all of the positive energy coming in Uh, If you get a chance, we know your time is valuable. Uh, Leave us some stars or leave us a written review on your favorite podcast player. And with that, Bill, I think it's a wrap.
1: Yeah, it is a wrap. And folks, remember, until we meet again, always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight.